Welcome to another episode of the Personal Branding for Photographers podcast. My name is Maurice Jager and I'm a photographer, speaker and the author of the book Personal Branding for Photographers. This podcast is all about learning how to improve your personal brand as a photographer. Thank you for listening today and let's dive in. Welcome to this episode of the Personal Branding for Photographers podcast. And today we are joined by Ivan Wees. Wise, we, I don't know, he'll introduce himself properly because the name is differently pronounced in Dutch. Um, he's in London. He takes awesome headshots and portraits, but I think Ivan can explain better what he does. So Ivan, take it away. Hi, Maurice. Uh, thanks for having me. So yeah, my name is Ivan Weiss. I'm a headshot and portrait photographer based in London. Um, I mostly work with people in the arts, um, but as you know, pretty much everybody needs a good headshot. Yes, we do, because I'm a headshot photographer too. But when, mm-hmm. when I look at your Instagram, there's more than just like the classic headshot work that most people know, like shoulders up, like you incorporate like tables and different looks so um you what are you doing like are you selling those as headshots or are you more leaning towards the portrait or what's the take on that well that that's a a question that keeps coming up and i think it depends who you're talking to so when i speak to photographers pretty much every photographer has some sort of notion of there being a difference between a headshot and a portrait um I intentionally keep it very, very loose. And to me, it's about the the way that the, the image is used by the end client. So if I've taken a picture that's, you know, dramatically lit, it includes half body, maybe even you're not looking to camera. Um, and I do, you know, some color grading and texture overlays and, and you know, extensive post-production, but you end up putting that on your LinkedIn profile. To me, that's still a headshot. If you show it to a photographer, they will say, that's not a headshot, that's a portrait. Um, But, you know, meaning is use, right? That is true. So how do you decide uh, which person uh, matches which, like, grade or which way that you shoot it? Um, Well, it's always a a collaborative process. You know, when people book me, um, almost always they're, they're booking me because they've seen my work. You know, I'm, I'm in London. There's not a shortage of photographers here. Um, and I'm not the cheapest. Um, so, you know, to, to, to come in and shoot with me is, is a conscious decision. Um, and at the start of the session, we'll, you know, we'll have a, a talk about what they want to get from the session, if there's any of my work that they particularly like, that they want to, you know, go down that route and, and explore. You know, it's, it's always something that's sort of made up as we go along. It's going to depend on, you know, what the person does, what kind of clothes they've brought with them, what they're trying to achieve with the picture, all of these kind of things. Um, and, you know, we sort of see where, see where it takes us. Yeah, because, like, I have a very defined style, and mm-hmm. a lot of people book me because of this style. Like, do you have people come in like, yeah, I saw this shot with person x like i yeah, need that yeah. or is that like and is does that like kill your creativity or are you always like okay this is kind of what you're going for but we're gonna adapt and like make it better and more suiting to their brand or like what they need 
Um, it, it definitely doesn't kill creativity. Um, it, it's it's a starting point. You know, anything that somebody says when they come in at the start of the session, that's like a jumping off point for for what we shoot. And the way I work, you know, I shoot tethered, and during the session we frequently review what we're getting, sit down together at the screen, and, and make some decisions about where to go next. So if somebody comes in saying, "Look, I just want to," you know plain white background me wearing a white shirt and a blue tie and then we try a few other options and that gets some traction and sort of sparks their interest then we'll go off in a different direction um if somebody says i want to copy that shot that you've got in your portfolio that's great that's where we'll start but that's not necessarily where we're gonna end up and you know, you know the creative process is like that you you know 99% of what we shoot goes in the bin, right? You know, you you might shoot for two hours and, and select four final pictures. Uh, and in the course of those two hours, you sort of push the edges of what you think is going to potentially work for that person. And then ultimately the decision you make kind of together with the client at the end based on seeing the actual images that, that you've captured. Yeah, like I should usually for anywhere between 45 minutes and an hour. Mm -hmm. uh, like I shoot slow. My friend John D'Amato uh, told me a couple of years ago, like you're shooting digital, but you act like you're shooting for film. Mm -hmm. So me shooting like an hour gets me probably anywhere between 60 and 80 raw files with like probably six to eight outfits. So I'm like really a slow shooter. Yeah, that's very selective, yeah. Yeah, and like, like mm -hmm. I just go for something. And I, I like I always shoot like the, dark to medium dark gray background kind of thing and like just like very uh looks and uh expressions and positions and clothing kind of thing but like mm -hmm. everything is very much like in some extent similar so yeah. it's like it kind of i guess it kind of depends what you're going for because you're like changing backdrops and like bringing props in and like doing all sorts of like medium uh, like waist up or just like tighter crops so you give them a little bit more options, I think. Yeah, I, you know, it, it comes down to that thing of, uh, I mean, we're talking about, about branding, right? Is your brand the specific look of your picture or is your brand the whole sort of together of how you shoot, how you approach the shoot, how you work with your client? And, and I think it's very definitely the, the second of those two. So, you know, whether I'm doing uh, like one light, black and white, white background, head and shoulders, or a full length on a painted canvas that's going to be, you know, color graded and, and everything else. That's still my work. It's still my brand. Um, and, and it just gives me a bit more sort of variety in, in the work. But it, it's, you know, it comes from what I find interesting to shoot and what I find interesting to, to look at. That's the only real criteria for um, you know, I won't, I won't shoot stuff that I don't find interesting, essentially, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. I do the same thing. Um, so what would you like to achieve with your work? Oh, wow. I mean, ultimately, um, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm happy if I produce one picture a week. But I'm like, yeah, that's a damn good picture. Um, that's, you know, more than that, I don't think, uh, I don't think I'm, I'm really after anything. Um, you know, how philosophical do you want to go on that question? I mean, it's it's my legacy, isn't it? I want to, you know, make a dent on the world, as they say. Yes, is that the long time goal that, like, at some point, like, I know, I don't know, like, a hundred years down the road, there, there's going to be 
an Ivan shot that everybody will recognize or like, do you? Yeah, to, 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 to some extent. Yeah. I mean, you know, look, looking at it from a, from a business perspective, I speak a lot with um, a mutual friend of ours, Mike Schacht. Um, and you know, there's, there's a mantra that he has, you know, you need to be the best solution to the problem. That's the way to, to build a business. And I've thought about that a lot, like, but what is the problem? And I've come to the conclusion that I need to make the problem the fact that you don't have an Ivan Weiss portrait and therefore I'm the best solution, right? Wow, that's cool. So, <laughs> so what's like, what is the story be, uh, behind you being a photographer and like what gets you going through the day? Like, have you always been a photographer? Did you like gradually go into photography? Like, how did you like, came to the point that you pick up a camera to the point where you're now shooting like very signature portraits for your clientele? Um, I, I think I've got a fairly typical story. Um, I started photography when I was very young. Cause my, my dad was a photographer. Um, he worked mostly in press and publicity. So I grew up, you know, there was a dark room in the house. There were cameras and lenses everywhere. Um, you know, I sort of, I remember Sunday afternoons, dad would sit down with a, um, a dark bag and roll, uh, you know, bulk film into 35 mil cassettes for the week. Um, and it, it was just a part of life, you know, the, the house being full of photography and photography being, uh, a thing, but I didn't pursue it professionally. Um, when, when I was 16 and I had to choose my subjects for a level, the, the advice was, it's not a viable career. You're good at academic subjects. You should do academic subjects and go to university. So I was like, okay, yeah, they probably know what they're talking about. Um, it t- t- turns out they didn't, but that's okay. Um, Everybody makes so, mistakes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's okay. It's only a young life ruined. It's fine. You yeah. know, no problem. Um, but um, yeah, so I went off and, and did various other things. I ended up in a, a corporate career in media. Um, and yeah, did, did that for a long time, lived in Italy, went off to India, you know, worked in, traveled to the States and Canada and all kinds of, all kinds of stuff. And, and, the photography was just something that, you know, I had a camera and I took pictures. It wasn't particularly a hobby. I wasn't trying to get better at it. It was just something that I did, but I, I was sort of slightly aware that, I wasn't taking the same pictures that everybody else took, like, you know, going on holiday with a group of friends. I wasn't taking, you know, a picture of the group of people in front of a landmark. I was sort of picking out, I don't know, like abstract details of a bit of ironwork or something um, with no particular goal in mind. Um, But then I guess, yeah, I got to a, a point where that started to creep up on me that I realized that it was actually fulfilling some kind of, you know, function for me. It was, it was giving me some sort of satisfaction, some creative outlet or whatever you want to call it. Um, and so I started getting more interested in learning about digital photography because what I'd learned with my dad obviously was back in the days of, you know, analog, um, black and white film, um, and, and digital seemed to offer a, uh, a new kind of series of possibilities. Um, and I set about shooting pretty much everything, you know, um, even I think in about 2012, I put together what I thought was a portfolio and it was just, yeah, a, a collection of random images of, you know, wildlife, landscape, architecture, a few people, 
um, you know, you know the deal. Um, and then gradually, slowly and surely, I, I started to work out that what I really liked doing was taking pictures of people. And there's a lot of sort of stuff at the sort of lower end of, of the industry that kind of makes the assumption that you want to take pictures of models and be a fashion photographer. And I, I knew that that wasn't what I wanted to do, but I couldn't work out then, well, who, who do I want to take pictures of? I don't, I don't want to be a wedding photographer. I kind of like the idea of being in a studio, but not with fashion and models. Um, and then I stumbled across um, Peter Hurley on YouTube, and it kind of all fell into place, really. Um, so from that point on, yeah, I realized that uh, I wanted to be a portrait photographer or headshot photographer or headshot and portrait photographer or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. So do you feel like you're continuing your dad's work or do you like, <laughs> feel mm. some sort of a like legacy kind of thing from the past or is like is that like all like very separate? Well, I mean, in, in some ways, yes. You know, I mean, photography is photography, right? Um, but in other ways, very definitely no. I mean, you know, um, my dad's, I mean, when, when he, he's retired now, but when he wasn't shooting for money, you know, press and publicity, um, he would do uh, like street photography, I guess, what we'd call it. And he would exhibit those prints and sell, you know, sell stuff um, as, as art, street photography as art. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't have any interest in doing that. I, I want to be in a studio and I want to create the light and I want to direct the subject. Um, so it's kind of, if you, if you look at it at that sort of, um, that level of detail, it's the polar opposite of what my dad does or did. Um, do, do you but, show him your work? Um, well, I mean, you know, it's all over Facebook and Instagram and everything. So yeah, he, he sees it. Yeah. Um, but we, we rarely talk about it. I mean, we've, we've got, uh, we're, we're very good in, in this family at, um, our, our, uh, our means of signaling that we've, we're paying attention is, is to critique. Um, so that, you know, that gets tough sometimes. Oh, wow. <laughs> so yeah. Um, but you know, it's, I, I suppose, yeah, that, that's, that adds to the, the sort of drive to do something that, that's not directly comparable with his work. Um, because then, you know, it's comparing apples to oranges, isn't it? Yeah, it is. I guess like, like, uh, press photography is a total different animal. And in this day and age, I don't think like there's a ton of people actually making money with it since like everybody's complaining about the iPhone culture and like, there's always somebody that can shoot a picture with an iPhone and send it to a news outlet and that's going to get printed. So like going into a studio or like doing something more meaningful um, for clients or events is probably the better way to go at in this day and age, I think. Um, it, it was, you certainly got more control over what you're doing, that, that's for sure. I mean, but ultimately, you know, to me, it depends on what you find interesting and engaging and satisfying for you you know um I, I know plenty of people who work as headshot photographers and in their sort of spare time they shoot street photography they like that thing of being out and about and having to respond to a, a situation that they're not in control of and find a way to sort of corral the world into their you know into a frame that they like the look of um, in a, in a split second while everything's moving. Um, it just, 
yeah, I, I don't really have a desire to be. I live in London. I mean, I don't want to be out and about. It rains. It's cold. It's you know, the studio's nice and warm. It's it's much more comfortable here. Yeah, and you don't want you to, to work around all the tourists and stuff. It's like, it's like <laughs> yeah. so congested with people. So exactly. So taking it to this day and age, like, how would you describe the personal brand that you have today? Um, it's it's something difficult to to describe. But I mean, again, I, I think it ultimately has to come down to what you find satisfying, and and that was that was a tricky thing for me to get over at first. You know, when I was trying to establish my market, establish my client base, I found that I was really trying to do the work that I thought people wanted to buy. Um, and then almost kind of on the side, I was doing the work that I wanted to do. And I started putting that stuff up on Instagram and Facebook or whatever. Um, and there was, there was a sort of aha moment when the first person who'd come in and I was getting set up to do, uh, you know, a standard headshot as we would call it. And they said, no, 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 I want, I want one of those ones that you do like that and pointed to something on my Instagram. And I realized, oh yeah, if you, if you show people the work that you like to do and then they book you probably because that's, that's what they want. Um, so that, 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 that was a hurdle to get over. Um, but for me, you know, I don't, I don't really see a, a, a big difference in approach from what I do compared to what you do to what Peter does. You know, it, it's all about um, an interaction with the person and getting some genuine expression from the person. Um, you know, that the expression that we ultimately choose is going to, you know, depend on on how they want to use the picture of course um but at that level i see it as as all being the same thing you know we're creating something with the person who's who's in the picture and they're the one that's going to use it it's not the same as um hiring a model to create uh, a, a picture that's purely your vision there's the collaborative process that's that's in there so like you mentioned before like there's like hundreds of photographers in london and thousands you- thousands like okay let's take thousands and you're one of them so mm-hmm. um and people like come to you and not to like jimmy jones on the other corner of the street who's also happened to take portraits like mm-hmm. what how do you see the like what is the thing behind that you think like people come to you and not to him is that all like the look or is that also the way that you position yourself or the way that you're out there or like uh, you're more well, yeah. intertwined within the community? Like what's the, what do you think is the deciding factor with that? Well, I, I think it's, uh, uh, you know, all of those things combined together, right? I mean, first things first, if people can't find you, they're never going to book you. So, you know, SEO, being visible, these things are, you know, that, that's step one. Um, I, I think to some extent, the fact that I'm in central London gives me an advantage over some people because it's, it's easy to get to my studio. Um, it's, you know, it's not a big trek out to somewhere in the suburbs. Um, certainly for some of my more kind of business clients who are, you know, working in offices in central London, you know, you come out during your lunch break and get your headshots done. So that, that's a, that's a sort of practical advantage there. Um, 
price is a big determining factor, you know, uh, not purely from the point of view of people want to spend as little as possible. People want to feel that they're getting something of, you know, of good value and good quality. And if you price yourself too cheap, people won't appreciate it. If you price yourself too expensive, people won't pay it. Um, so that that's uh, another factor. But I do I do think, uh, particularly in my case, because I have a unique look to the work, that is probably the the biggest thing. That's not to say that that's going to be the the case for everybody. You know, there's a there's a bunch of people who shoot sort of the same style. So they're going to have to compete with each other on more kind of um, practical things like price and availability and, you know, how quick they can turn things around and all of those things. And I'm not saying that those are not important for me and my clients, but they're probably not going to be the determining factor um, for a client deciding between me and somebody who shoots a very different style. You, like, have this style and you probably get a get the feedback if you ask people for feedback like what would people say about the experience i mean people that have booked me uh, uh um are overwhelmingly positive um if, you, if i'm asking for feedback from people that have not booked me in terms of feedback on my style some love it some hate it you know that's that's just the nature of things yeah um but yeah the, the experience is is a fundamental part of it because we're for the most part working with people who don't get their picture taken professionally very regularly. Um, and it's, you know, it's like going to the dentist or, you know, one of those things that you sort of, you know, you need to get it done. You're not especially looking forward to it as an experience, but you do want to have the end result and you're going to be pleased when, you know, you've had your teeth polished or, or whatever it is. Um, so if the process itself can be made, um, welcoming, relaxing, engaging, collaborative—that really adds extra extra value. Um, and there's there's not really a great way to communicate that to a potential client. I mean, I can say that that's what the process is like, um, but the the best ways through client testimonials, I think, um, you know, people or, or people referring, you know, friends or family, word of mouth. Um, because I think a, a potential client is far more likely to believe that when it comes from a, a third party rather than just me telling them that you know the the experience of coming to the studio is fantastic. It's much better from somebody else. So you're you, you're usually getting clients through word to mouth and the the Googles. Yeah, well, I mean, a lot, a lot of it for me is social media. Um, Google, yes, Instagram is huge for me. Um, LinkedIn, not so much. Um, at the moment, I'm, you know, I, it, it reflects how much time I spend on those platforms, really. I, I, I spend far more time interacting with other people on Instagram. So perhaps not surprisingly, I get more leads from Instagram than I do from other platforms. Um, but I keep things, you know, uh, keep posting stuff to LinkedIn and Twitter as well. I use, um, because yeah, you you never know, um, and and I always try when people find me through Google if they're not ready to book straight away, I try to get them onto my Instagram page so that they then see I post three times a week, so at least three times a week they're going to see examples of my work. So I'm staying front of mind, but it's not a sales message. It's just you know I literally just put up the best picture I've done that week. 
um, with the name of the person and, and nothing else. Um, but it keeps that sort of um, engagement with the lead going until they're, you know, until they're ready to book. So you're posting shots with just like the name of the person and then some other stuff, like, or, or do you really like go into the background of like this person is in this job he needed to like get something no, or just, like just the image, just the image. Okay, so there's yeah. no story behind like how it the image came about. Um, no, I, I, don't, I definitely don't go into a story about how the image came about. I think the the story is 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 in the image. You know, I mean, you you look at a picture of a person and you will, as a human, you will um, make some assumptions, have some ideas about what sort of person they are based on how they look and how they're presented, and that's the that's the story. And if that chimes with you, then you probably follow that photographer and look at more of their work. If it doesn't, there are tens of thousands of other, other photographers, you know? Yeah, that's true. And like when people decide to book you, like either off the Instagrams or whatever, um, do you have like a structure where you just have like a sitting fee and a per image fee or like do you sell packages? Like, uh, how, like I, how do people know what they're up against when it comes to like pricing? I'm sorry, I, I don't do packages. No, I, I have, uh, as you say, a session fee and then a per image fee, and that fits in with all the stuff that we talked about before. You know, um, people, most of my clients are not regular buyers of photography. So for me to tell them, you need three images, you need five images, you need to take one hour, you need to take three hours, to me that just seems like forcing people into boxes really unnecessarily um so i i operate a system whereby i i book one client a day and if it takes seven minutes or seven hours it really doesn't make a difference for me you know if somebody shows up um i mean th th those are the extremes i you know i had one guy who literally showed up wearing a shirt and tie and had nothing else to change into he didn't want to do a shot without the tie um, he didn't have any glasses we could take off and he was like I need one picture so yeah seven minutes boom um, and then I had you know uh, another client who came in with um, a makeup and hair stylist and we shot several looks over the course of the day um, and that's all fine for me um, because people then pay per selected image generally it works out that the people who shoot for longer it's because they want to have more variety in the selection of images that they take away, so they're going to spend more in total. Um, and all of that's on my website. I mean, people can book self-service um, from the pricing page. My availability is there. Click a button, payment through the website. Um, all the details, are, it's all automated. Um, a lot of people do tend to contact me and want to have a chat first, which is also fine, of course. Um, but some people, yeah, I've never even had any contact with them and they just book themselves in and then, and then show up. And that's, that's also all good. The funny thing is like you mentioned seven minutes. I had a dude show up for a corp gig, a CEO of some sorts. He came to the studio, but like, he's like, yeah, this is what I wear. And I shot the same outfit, four different expressions. I have four shots. He bought all four. <laughs> My my session <laughs> folder in Capture One is four. He was out the door in like ten minutes tops, and 
like that's probably the like I mentioned being a slow shooter. Like four shots in a <laughs> session is like ridiculous next level nonsense. Like yeah. what the heck just happens? It's like yeah, I'll t- I'll take all four. It's like okay. Yeah. So that was probably the fastest money I ever made. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, I, I try not to think of it in those terms. You know, to me, um, the, the, the person that comes in and takes a long time because we go through lots of different looks, of course, it, it's necessarily the case that there's lots more that, that ends up getting culled at the end of the session, and that that's fine. But we're probably going to create some, we're going to push some boundaries. You know, I'm going to try some stuff that I've not tried before or perfect something that I've been trying, whatever. Um so I'm getting the extra value of having the person there for longer. It's not that the person being there longer is sucking up my time and pushing down my hourly rate. Whereas the person that comes in for seven minutes, I'm only going to have one picture from that session that's you know usable that I'm going to post to to my social media. So I'm getting less value. But on the other hand, I then get my time back and I can get on with my marketing or, you know, uh, do the post-production on the picture that we've just shot before the person's got back to their office or whatever. So it's sort of this system of not having the packages, I think, is is perfect. As long as the photographer can remain flexible, the client gets the massive benefit of the flexibility and the photographer gets the benefit of the client's flexibility. So it's it kind of it's a win-win to me it, it seems like the most logical system to have yeah that makes total sense i'm kind of doing the same thing it like all the pattern depends on the person really much like mm-hmm. like is this guy in a rush or does he have time and need a ton of stuff like is he a spokesperson and need like seven different outfits for like every season of the year or like whatever or is it yeah. just like quick in quick out kind of thing um so you've been at it for a little while like what's the most valuable piece of advice that you want to share oh the most valuable piece of advice that i would share is um to be clear on why you're doing it i think um you know right now when we're speaking obviously with you know most people that are listening to this have just been through several months of, of um you know not being able to work and and leaving aside all the you know the the financials and concerns about the future and health and safety and all the rest of it um the thing that that helped get me through that was was getting clear on why i am a photographer and i think if you if you've got a good idea of that it may not be easy to put into words but if you feel strongly about why you do what you do it does become a lot easier to make other decisions and it gives you that the power of no, you know, it gives you that possibility to look at something and say, actually, that's not right for me. So I don't mind letting that one go. Um, and, and that's a, that's a great, great place to be in as a, as a photographer, as an artist, as a business person, you know, in, in every aspect of your life. Um, if you know what you're about, then it doesn't feel like a loss when you say no to an opportunity. So when I put you on the spot and say like, what are you about? And like, two sentences like can you just like, drum it up or is that like more of a long-winded answer and a process it, so i mean my my standard answer to that is that if i was good with words i wouldn't be a photographer so i try to express it through 
through my pictures. Um, and, and, you know, of course, I chip away at trying to put it into words as well because it would be good to, to communicate that. It's, it's something that I feel, um, you know, I've, I've done a lot of different things, different jobs, different careers, um, and there is a fundamental difference in the the satisfaction that I get from doing this compared to the satisfaction that I experienced in any of my previous jobs. And that's what it's about for me. And I think like you being happier with this job is also what success means to you or does that have another uh, meaning to you? I know, absolutely. I think um, yeah, money is important. Money is great. Um, you know, you, you need to establish how much money do I need to make in order to be comfortable and not be sort of worrying about the money. Um, but definitely the sort of happiness and fulfillment of the job is, is far more important than, than that. And, and again, that's for me, you know, for some people it, it is much more driven by the sort of the business success side of things and wanting to maybe create something where they end up, you know, running a studio and not necessarily doing much shooting themselves, but, you know, having uh, assistants and other photographers in the studio and turning it into a, you know, a bigger business. Um, and that's fine. I don't think that's the the thing for me. Um, I quite like the fact that everything is handmade by me in-house. Yeah, like I'm the same. I'm a one-man operation as well. So, like, I totally get that. I don't want to have that, like, stress on me and my business to like work with multiple people, pay wages, like match up calendars and all of that mm -hmm. stuff. It's like just a in the ass. So yeah, is there something that you're still struggling with? Oh, all the time. Yeah, I mean, you know, the, 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 the <laughs> there's always a struggle. I mean, there's you know, if if you get to a point where you're not uh, running into difficulties, then either you're perfect and you're dumb and you can retire or you're just not trying hard enough. You know, um, it, it, we like problem solving, right? Creativity is about answering a question. And if there isn't a question, you have to go looking for the question before you can answer it. Yeah. So is um, there anything specific that you're dealing with at this point that you feel like, oh my gosh, I need to really like put some effort into this or like I have no idea how to solve this? Um, well, the, the the response to the you know the new economic situation is the is the biggest thing on my mind at the moment. Um, I'm sort of going along the on the assumption that um, you know if you were successful before, you will be successful again. It's a question of how long is it going to take for for markets to recover. Um, you know that that's that's obviously a an overriding concern at the moment. Um, I mean, in terms of sort of the, the creative side of things, no, I mean, I, I, I approach that more on a sort of session by session basis. You know, how, how can I get this look from that person or how can I adapt that look to this person or how can I push that person to see themselves looking as, as cool as they will if they let me do that with their picture kind of thing. You know, that's there's that challenge of, of the, the different person that comes in every time. Um, but that's not something that keeps me awake at night. That's the, that's the thing that gets me up in the morning, really. And, like, the creative thing is, like, you. I think you were one of the first people in the 
headshot sphere or portrait thing that I actually know that like moved away from Photoshop and went with like affinity and like you're aligning yourselves with them and I think I'm doing some like tutorial kind of stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. So I've um, I've uh, been using Affinity Photos since uh, I think 2016 or 2017, um, and I've collaborated with them on on a few projects during the the lockdown. Yeah, they um, commissioned various artists to create sort of uh, tutorials for a series they did on YouTube, and I, I did one of those. That was great. Um, and yeah, they, they, I mean, they're, they're a genuinely nice company and a nice bunch of people. Um, so I have a, a great relationship with them. Um, and that, that, that's really good for the, you know, for my confidence as a, as a creative professional, you know, to, to be, um, closely sort of involved with or aligned with, uh, the company that makes, the software that, that's sort of fundamental to my workflow, you know, I mean, it's, I suppose it's kind of like, you know, becoming a, you know, a Canon explorer of light or, you know, getting endorsed by Hasselblad or Leica or something. Um, you know, it's, um, it's, of course it's nice for the ego, but it, it's also good to feel that you've got the, the support of, um, people that make stuff that's important for your job. Um, and, and that you've got their ear as well. You know, it's a, it's a sort of two-way relationship. It's like being uh, appreciated and like them handing you the tools to make life easier, I guess. Like, yeah. Yeah, what, yeah. like were you using Affinity before like you got on their radar or like, um, like yeah, what it, made you it, decide to go with Affinity in the first place? Because like everybody's tied into the Photoshops and the Lightrooms and like all of that stuff, like, and like you were one of the first, I know there's now some sort of a movement from people like moving away from Adobe into Affinity. Uh -huh. um, so it's like, what, like, and you were like one of the like people ahead of the curve. Like what made you decide to go that direction? Um, well, I mean, firstly, cause I don't, I didn't have any sort of um, formal training in digital photography. So I, I was, you know, I think if you, if you sign up to a, a photography school or something like that, you probably, get pushed into using Adobe and they give you a student discount and student license and all the rest of it. So that sort of just becomes your default. And I, I didn't have that. So when I first started with um, taking digital seriously, I was using Apple's Aperture. Um, and then obviously with that, you know, at a certain point, you kind of hit a wall of, of its capabilities and yeah, and they discontinued it at some point. Yeah, yeah, they, 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 that, that's a big wall when Apple says, actually, we're not going to support the software. So if you're running a business, you might not want to base it on this thing that's no longer supported. Um, and I, you know, I, I know a lot of photographers sort of uh, early on in their careers might be tempted to, you know, use uh, an illegal version of, of Adobe. This was pre-subscription model. Um, and I, I just, you know, I'm not comfortable with that. I think if I'm getting paid to do a job, then then I should pay appropriately for the tools that I'm using to do the job. Um, but the pre-subscription pricing of, of Adobe was just, you know, I mean, that was more than it was worth for what I was making at the time. Um, so I, I searched through, you know, various other supposed Photoshop alternatives of which, you know, there are 
several and some have come and gone. Um, and I, I think I just found it through YouTube. I know I, some, I can't remember the, the guy, there was a guy who ran a website that was all about Aperture and then he had to sort of pivot once Aperture got discontinued and he did a review of it. So I started using it and then um, I, I think I just like tagged them in a picture or something that I posted and they they contacted me and said, "Hey, could we could we could we use one of your pictures?" I'm like, "Yeah, of course you can. Just you know, credit me." Um, and then not too long after that, they uh, commissioned me to create a piece specifically for um, the, the the next release of, of um, Affinity Photo for iPad. And yeah, we just sort of done various things together. Uh, since then, I mean, it's not like an official, you know, I don't have an endorsement or, or anything like that. Um, but I continue to use their product for which I paid the full price. Um, and, you know, um, when they have opportunities, they, you know, repost my work, share my work, um, commission things from me, etc. You just said something that probably resonates with a lot of photographers when other companies like reuse your work and you said, okay, just credit me. Is that the way that you go about it? Or like, are you getting like your panties in a twist and one like licensing fees and like getting like, oh my gosh, they're stealing my shit and like all of that stuff. Because I feel like that's the sentiment in the photography community for a lot of people. Well, it, it depends. You, you have to look at each case individually. So um, if somebody wants to, um, pick something from my Instagram page and put it on their Instagram page. I just ask that they credit me, and and if, you know that's what you signed up to. If you if you post something on Instagram, that is you know that's more than you're legally entitled to. Um, if somebody picks something off your Instagram page and publishes it, the only thing they legally have to do is credit Instagram. They don't even have to mention the photographer. Um, in fact, that happened to me a couple of weeks ago. I had a picture published in Vogue. Um, but you know, it, it was credited to Instagram because they pulled it off my Instagram page. Um, and there's, yeah, there's no legal, uh, recourse on that because that's the, uh, agreement that you've signed with Instagram. Now I wish it weren't that way. Um, and for about three minutes I was fuming that, you know, I had a picture in Vogue without my credit. Um, but on the other hand, let's balance this out the amount of work that I've had in the last three years since I started an Instagram page is what's, you know, paid the rent on this place and, you know, put food on the table. Um, so that's, that's the way the industry is. If you, if you don't like that model, um, then yeah, definitely don't post your stuff on Instagram because you're, you are explicitly agreeing to let people reuse the image crediting Instagram as the copyright holder. Yeah, and there's been court rulings about that where photographers were like credited anyway, but mm -hmm. like since it's uh, uh, like since they published it in Vogue, like do you use that in your branding? Like even though no. it's like not credited to you, like do you like grab a screenshot or like a picture of the magazine and just go like, oh my gosh, I got, prom uh, I got published or because people will like re recognize the work. Like, do you ever leverage that? No, no, no. I mean, I think um, it's not, it's neither here nor there, you know. Um, if if you get something published in Vogue 
what's what's the value for you? If if Vogue have commissioned you to shoot, that's an endorsement, right? That's okay. This is one of the largest magazines in the world with the, one of the largest budgets for photography, and they're saying of all the millions of photographers in the world, they want to commission you for this project. That's an endorsement. Mm-hmm. When when Vogue pulls your picture off of Instagram and credits Instagram, they're saying this is a nice picture, and anyone can shoot a nice picture. I mean, you know, if you go out with an iPhone for a day and shoot ten thousand frames, you know, you, you'll come up with something nice at some point, right? Infinite monkeys. Yeah. So um, it, while it's nice, well, you know, the the, the the amount of time that I spent being angry at not being credited was about the amount of time that I felt I spent feeling very special for being published in Vogue. <laughs> yeah. Know, yeah. Like I don't neither here nor there. I don't get my work published in Vogue, so like I have like no saying in it, but like I got published based on my book and like they grab like they write a couple paragraphs and then like put my face in there and then they misspell my name and I'll still like use the living bit Jesus out of that on social. So it's uh-huh. like it's uh, I, I make fun of it like yeah well over like my name like Jager translates to hunter in English and mm-hmm. hunter has like the the like the hunter kind of thing and yeah. like in Dutch like people are used to adding the in front of my last name which is not my name so I always okay. like make fun of that like I have pub I had published books with like my author shots and like a lot of and they always like mess up my name so i'm just like going batshit crazy on that stuff on instagram because it that kind of resonates with people and it's like oh my gosh she's on that thing that's cool like it even though it doesn't mean much to you it could mean something to one of my clients because like oh my gosh she's published in this magazine or he's published in that magazine so there's like some sort of an esteem level to it and that's how i uh use it for branding yeah, yeah, I, I I totally see that. I'm not going to say that you're wrong at all. Um, it's just you know, to to me that's not that important. Um, you know, to, to me the important thing is did I make a good picture? Um, and if I did, then I share it on my social. And if other people want to reshare it, then that's kind of part of the the game. It, it should be said there's a very distinct difference between that and you know I have been approached by companies that say that they want to use an image from my social media. And I ask them what they want it for, like, you know, licensing terms, essentially. Um, and, yeah, some, <laughs> some companies that have no shortage of cash have got some weird ideas about um, how, they, how they can go about those things. And, you know, I was asked by one company to give them a worldwide license in perpetuity um, for, for no money. So, obviously, I said no to that. Um, but I think that's you know it's, it's ignorance rather than malevolence on their part. They weren't trying to rip me off. They just didn't realise that. Unfortunately, that's um, unfortunately for them, that's not the way it works. And they could simply have picked the image up and credited Instagram, and I wouldn't have been able to do anything about it. Yeah, um, that that sounds like me shooting concerts back in the day when I had mm-hmm. to sign off, sign releases. Like we can use this uh, image anywhere on the planet and the universe. And I went to yeah. the publishing agent. That's like, you're going to print my shot on the moon. That's so awesome. Like, can you like rent me out a telescope so I can get a shot of that so I can use it on social? And they're like, what? It's like, yeah, well, it's right here. It's going to be published anywhere on the moon. So like, I'm going to hit Jupiter or just the moon or like, what's the extent of this thing? And they're like, 
yeah, that's just paperwork. The lawyers just like threw that thing up and it's like, you sign it or you're not going to get access. It's like, ah. Exactly. You know, this, this is the thing that it often comes down to, right? I mean, that, that's essentially the situation that I've just explained with Instagram. That from the point of view of an artist, the terms that Instagram imposes on us are not particularly great, right? They, they demand that we transfer to them uh, copyright and that it's transferable so they can let anybody else republish. But the negotiation is take it or leave it. You know, if you don't like it, don't sign up to it. If you don't like it, but you want to have a platform, you just have to kind of accept it. Um, And that's that's where we are right now. It's probably morally not great, um, but I'm not going to spend a lot of time worrying about it. You know, it's it's what we've got as a as a widely used social media platform at the moment. It will it will end at some point, and there'll be a new thing along it at some point in the near future and it may be better or worse for photographers or not we'll just have to see i guess it comes down to like if you're not paying anything for it you'll pay at in some way and now you're paying this way that they can use the images and like you can like chimp out a lot of money and just like promote it elsewhere but it's going to cost you and you already shot this shot anyway so it's not going to like break your bank so it's like it's like the cost of being in business and it's like a marketing vehicle in the end. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it doesn't have to be. You know, I mean, if, if you are an independently wealthy person that's coming to photography and you can afford to wait 12 years to establish a reputation without using social media and then sell one picture for £100,000, then that's fine. But I think most people come into photography, professional photography, needing to at least pay their rent every month. Um, so yeah, you're going to make use of whatever's available to you as a way of, you know, getting your work out there and reaching an audience and kind of have to just accept the, the terms that are imposed on you. I mean, you know, like if, if it was significantly worse than what Instagram does, then maybe there'd be a case for saying, no, let's have a boycott. But, um, you know, it's generally accepted. That's the way social media works. Yeah. It makes Um, sense for you. I, I think photographers should avoid though feeling like getting reshared on Instagram is a big success. You know, it's nice. It, it's definitely good for the ego. It's, it's good encouragement, but it's, you know, it's not going to put food on the table. So don't, don't concentrate on it too much. Take it as a win and move on, I think. Yeah, and I think that counts for Instagram, endorsements, like all of that stuff. It's just like um, a sort of appreciation of your craftsmanship because it's mm-hmm. not yeah. going to like pay rent or anything it's just like nice that you have people that support you and make your life easier and like it's not definitely not something to focus on like as a photographer i think the most important thing is like focus on the your own work and Mm -hmm. the clients that need it right absolutely absolutely yes so um what are your goals for the upcoming years like what's on your list um, well, obviously, they've been um, somewhat uh, revised uh, this year. I mean, truthfully, in, in the last couple of months, it's been, you know, survival mode. You know, how do I eat out what I've got in the bank um, with with no uh, money coming in? Um, as we return to some kind of um, stability or, or predictability um, in, in, in the market, 
I want to expand a bit more the work that I do on the teaching and education side of things. Um, so through Headshot Crew, you know, obviously I'm, I'm a mentor in the Headshot Crew. And last year I taught Peter's um, Headshot Intensive, the two-day workshop here in London. Um, was planning to do that again this year, but um, that's probably unlikely to happen now unless it's later in the year or maybe early next year. Um, and sort of build a few more things around that. I, I do a lot of um, one-to-one coaching, which in the last few months I've just been doing online, um, but starting to get people uh, coming back into the studio to do that. Um, and that, that's something that I, I particularly enjoy for, for the work itself, but also because it's a, a great way of um, you know, being really quite deeply connected with photographers in the, in the local community. Um, you know, it's there, there are sort of photographers meetup groups and Facebook groups and all those kind of things, which are which are great. Um, but there, you know, there's there's always a certain amount of um, you know people being a little bit closed off in those groups and trying to sell you uh, sort of a more successful version of themselves because it's quite competitive. Um, whereas if somebody comes into the studio to you know to learn from me. <laughs> The, the, you know the guards come down we're going to be we're going to be honest about what we're doing um while we're in the studio together and that's uh it makes for a nicer connection to to colleagues essentially is what they are yeah so where do you want people to go to like look at your awesome portrait work or find out about you more um so if you put my name and london into your search engine um you can go to my website which is Ivan Weiss, I-V-A-N-W-E-I-S-S dot London. You can find me on Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, LinkedIn, Facebook, um, and possibly some other social network that they haven't invented yet on the moon. Um, also, London. So I've got um, consistent branding across the board there. Sounds awesome. Thank you so much for being part of this podcast and sharing your knowledge, Ivan. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. It's been great. Cheers. And that's it for today. But before we part ways, let me invite you to my personal branding for photographers community on Facebook. The group has already around 700 photographers who want to learn everything about improving their personal brand. Make sure to add yourself by going to mauriciejager.com forward slash Facebook or subscribe to my podcast on your preferred platform. Thank you for listening and I'll see you on Facebook or you'll hear from me in the next episode. Enjoy your day. Talk soon. Bye.